When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode number 51. Jim Taddy with you. Thank you, Mike Ross. And today's topic, Morgan Riley's contract. Enough said. We're going to see how this can work out. Dave McCarthy, Sirius XM NHL Radio Network and NHL.com will be our guest. Before we get going, everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season to celebrate. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more in any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. That is correct. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more in any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that are offered. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, as you know. Easy to deal with, easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Here is the call to action. So you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. What is it? THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet in any college football game. The promo code is... That's correct, THPN, to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, to the Morgan Riley story. So, boy, this is a difficult thing to deal with. So let's just go over some recent contract signings by defensemen. Pionk the other day, 5.875 with Winnipeg. Pellick, 5.750. And we go down the list, uh, Goligoski, a veteran at 5, which is Morgan Riley current money. Martinez at 5.25. So what I have done here is, is left out the big money. Let's go to these three guys because they are exactly where Morgan Riley sits right now. Nurse, 9.25, and he was making 5.6. Nurse is entering the final year of his contract. The 9.25 clicks in next year. Wierenski, 9.58. He is on a $5 million contract, as is Morgan Riley, and Wierenski's contract clicks in next year. Seth Jones, currently making 5.4, traded to Chicago, signs an extension that will start at 9.5 next year. Morgan Riley entering 
the final year of his contract remains unsigned, and we don't know exactly what the status is in terms of talks. But there you have three defensemen, Nurse at 9.25, Wierenski at 9.58, Jones at 9.5, that were signed by their teams. In the Jones case, he was acquired by Chicago, and so these guys got ahead of the curve. The Leafs sit there, and the philosophy might be, let's see how this plays out. So my question is, why do you want to do that? Okay, there's cap restrictions, I get that, but the contract wouldn't start until the following year. So there's plenty of time. You're going to have to move out of forward anyway, right? You're going to have to create some space whether you sign them, and if you don't, you're without a first-pairing defenseman. What the Leafs are doing here makes no sense to me. I, I know there's a, there's a cautious tone here and says, you know, wait until the end of the season. So what are you hoping for? Are you hoping for that you could get him less? That means he has an off season. That doesn't help you. How about this? He has a good season, and the price goes up. I mean, I just do not see how this works. I, I don't understand why you would sit there and watch this this situation play your franchise. Have to get way ahead of the curve, and so far, at least outwardly, appearances show that not much is going on there. But I just this is a precarious situation. Well, here's the conversation I had recently with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM NHL Radio Network and NHL.com. <laughs> Dave, guess what our topic is today? It's the Morgan Riley contract. In your opinion, what do you think the Leafs are doing here, and, and should they change their, I guess, agenda? Well, I think they're in a, an interesting position because it's it's going to be really important to make sure that they either get Morgan Riley locked up, or if they do not, they must get something of value back for him. They can't let him go to free agency and walk for nothing. I mean, that would just be a horrendous uh, exhibition of asset management. So I think they're in the position right now where they're trying to determine uh, what course of action they want to take. Do they want to keep him around long term? If so, what is that going to cost? Um, but then if not, um, is there a trade out there to be made that can get you something of value back? And the and the issue with that would be is that Toronto Gym, as you know, is not in a position where they're worried about three and four years down the road. They're worried about this coming season. And Morgan is a guy that can help you this coming season, a guy that they'll need, or if not him, somebody of, of equal ability. That makes it a little bit more complicated if they look to make a move because you can't weaken your team for this year um, with with the attention of three or four years down the road. That doesn't match with the plan either. So it's going to be a bit of a, a difficult thing to handle, but I think they're going to need to come to some sort of a conclusion on it one way or the other by uh, by the end of the offseason. Yeah, I totally agree on that. They have to do something. So I've listed off some comparables, and I'll just – Repeat, I, I didn't put a two in because they weren't on the same page. Hamilton, $9 million. McCarr, $9 million. Those are standalones. Those were contracts that were expiring, and, and so they got renewed. Nurse gets renewed a year ahead. Wierenski gets renewed a year ahead. Jones gets renewed a year ahead. I mean, clearly, uh, it's $9 million plus if you're going to do that. The Leafs have the same player, top-pairing defenseman, in the final year of his contract, and they haven't anteed up. I think this is a colossal mistake. Yeah, but, I mean, if that – okay, well, let's just go one thing at a time. Uh, you threw out those numbers there, and it's clearly been the uh, summer of the defenseman with yeah. the amount of money that uh, guys are getting paid, eight and a half, uh, nine, nine and a half. Do you think that's what it would take to get Morgan Riley under contract? 
Well, I, I think that that's what the market says a top-pairing defenseman gets. And here's the other trick. If you let him go, or, or forget about letting him go. If you want to re-sign him, you're going to ask for the hometown discount. And so we know that that's going to be somewhere between $1 and $2 million a year is going to be the hometown discount. On a seven-year deal, that, that fluctuates from $7 million to $10.5 to $14 million bucks. And, and the reason I point that out is because that's not going to happen. He's not going to make that compromise. No, and nor should he, right? I mean, yeah, he's made a lot of money, but I haven't met the guy who can uh, say, yeah, I have extra $14 million bucks. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm good. That's too much money to leave on the table. That's not five hundred grand a million bucks. That's a lot of money. Um, the, the problem is, if that's what it's going to cost, the Leafs, I don't know if the Leafs have that kind of money right now because they've already got three guys on their roster that are making essentially $11 million, Ian Tavares, uh, uh, Tavares Marner, and, and Austin Matthews. Can you afford to pay another guy close to $10 million? I mean, they're already having enough trouble winning as it is with half their cap being spent on uh, on four guys. If you bring in another guy at that level, well, then you even further reduce your ability to round out your team, and that's a problem right now, let alone if you're paying a guy in Morgan Riley, um, who's a key piece of your team right now, uh, an extra $4 million a year. So, again, we go back to the, uh, the, the, the situation they've painted themselves into from a cap standpoint that as the roster stands right now, if you want to retain Morgan Riley um, and you think he's going to cost in and around uh, let's let's say eight and a half, because I, I don't think he's he's quite at the level of some of those other guys. I think eight and a half over eight years, you might be able to get a deal done there. But at at that level, I I they can't they can't sign him to that type of a deal and have any semblance of a team around them. So to me, that suggests what you need to sit down and do if you're Kyle Dubas in the boardroom right now is is say to yourself, okay, look. Um, let's prioritize where I feel the most important parts of my team are. And right now it's a luxury to have um, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and Tavares on my roster because um, Morgan Riley isn't making all that much money right now, and we can afford that. But at the beginning of next season, we'll no longer be able to afford to have that luxury. So what I'm saying is I think you need to find a way to keep Morgan Riley if you let him go uh, who do you bring in um, that can play at that level, you're going to eventually need to get to the point, if you're Kyle Dubas, where you do what you do not want to do, which is to trade one of those four forwards. And let's be honest, there's really only one guy we're talking about right now. Um, we'll have to move out so that they can, they can have the money to build out the rest of their team. And if they don't do that... Um, you know, the defense is already in flux as it is. Can you imagine it without Morgan Riley? Yeah, I just, uh, my argument is, is predicated on the fact that they have a year to play with. I mean, they could sign him for 8 or 8.5, whatever the, the figure is now, and it kicks in next year, and they've got an entire year to figure out who's going to be moved out to create that space, which I think is, is the best way to go. Uh, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't do that, then, then you're going to step into next year's market, and this thing only goes up. Well, I, I'm with you on that, and they technically could uh, afford to get Riley locked in long-term because the deal, as you said, doesn't kick in until the beginning of next season. 
so they're still playing on this year's cap in with Riley. Uh, so they could get that sorted out from Morgan's long-term future. But the problem is, if you sign a deal like that with Riley this year, um, and you kick the can down the road in terms of knowing you're going to have to move somebody a year from now, uh, but we'll do it next year, well, then you essentially put yourself in a not low leverage, but no leverage situation if you're Kyle Dubas when it comes to making that deal. You'll essentially have to give that guy, whomever it might be, away because the other general manager will know you have but no choice but to move that guy. Um, they're throwing you anvils, not life preservers at that point, and you don't want to get to a position where you have to do one of those donation-type deals that we've seen so far this offseason um, with teams, you know, uh, the Islanders had to do that with uh, with Andrew Ladd, and then Philadelphia had to do that with, with Shane Gostasphere, where, where they literally gave them to the Arizona Coyotes and said, here, please, no, no, take them. We don't want anything. We give, don't give us anything back. Just take them and take their cap hit. You don't want to be in a position like that with a guy like, you know, Mitch Marner or William Melander because they're, they're way more valuable in terms of what they could do on the ice today to help a, a different team than Andrew Ladd and Shane Gossesfer are. And that's the position you kind of box yourself into, I think. You assign Morgan Riley long-term, but, but you, uh, you procrastinate on the corresponding move that you'll ultimately have to make. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to throw a couple scenarios at you. First one is if you, if you think you can sign him for 8.5 and you're looking for 3.5 to give to him, that is the Alex Kerfoot salary right there, and I think that's an easy thing to do. Now, the other thing is when you're talking about – we're really talking about three forwards because uh, Tavares is, is not included in this. Nylander has three years. Marner has four. Matthews has three. At some point, you have to do the hard exercise of understanding who you want to re-sign and how much it's going to cost and can you afford it. This is, this is again, asset management with the forwards, the same asset management that you're applying to Riley. I mean, I just, to me, there's, there's, there's a lot more that, that can be done here than, it, than appears. What's your take on that? Well, no, you're right. Um, like I was saying, it's, it's, it's the fact that you have to get to the point where you realize, look, as much as you love the four forwards, unless you can build out your team um, uh, from the back end, you're, you're really going to have a difficult time. And if you look at a lot of the teams that go on to have success, they're not build, built from the forwards down. They're built from the net up. In yeah. Tampa Bay, it starts with, uh, with Andre Vasilevsky and Victor Hedman and then, you know, Ryan McDonough, and then you get to the forwards. Um, you know, you look at uh, look at a team like Montreal, Carey Price, they had those big four on D, which really with a, with a forward group that was, I'd say, relatively underwhelming based on, on some other teams on paper around the league, well, they still managed to get to a cup final based on the strength of their system. Uh, you look at uh, the New York Islanders, they have um, a really good blue line with guys like Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock. Um, and, and Scott Mayfield isn't necessarily a household name, but he fits really well into their system. And they're predicated on structure um, and, and, and defensive um, uh, awareness. And they, 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 they predicate their success based on that, not flying around the ice scoring six goals a game. So 
you look at some of the uh, the other teams around the league that have had success, um, and and they're all built from the net out. And right now, the Leafs are the furthest thing from that. They're they're a top heavy team up front, um, but then even even down the lineup up front, it's not like you can say, oh well, one through twelve. Man, do they ever have a formidable forward group like, say, the Winnipeg Jets do? I think you can make that argument. Um, the Leafs don't have that. And they got four really good forwards. And then after that, you're like, uh, I don't know. Like, what are we putting on the ice? They don't really have a shutdown line. They got a lot of guys where you're, you're placing bets and operating on hope. And then you get to the blue line. And, you know, Morgan Riley is, is a good player. Jake Muzzin is a good player. But then, uh, you know, TJ Brody is a serviceable guy. He had a pretty good, steady year last year. Justin Hall, to me, is I still think a guy who's a bottom-bearing guy, not a, not a, not a, four, a four guy. Um, and then I think you're, you're looking on, on hope at your, your bottom pairing. And then in goal right now, I still think you're operating on hope. So that, to me, is not a winning recipe, and it, it, it's, and it calls out that you have to reallocate some resources to build out your team from the net out um, and, and couple that with the offensive ability that you do have before you're ever going to have a hope of going deep. Well, Dave, you know what? I, I agree with everything you said there. And, and this is why, for me, this is why you would want to take care of Morgan Riley now because what you don't need is another question mark. You've got a lot of things in play here that may or may not work out. But for the betterment of the franchise, the best interest of the franchise, what you have to do now is look after Morgan Riley. Otherwise, you've created another problem. Well, that's exactly it. Um, the last thing, like I said at the beginning, the last thing you want is to get to um, the situation they got to uh, next summer with Morgan Riley that they did with Zach Hyman this summer, where you know it became clear that look, they wanted him back. There was just no way that it was going to happen, and it goes back to the point that you made. Yeah, they asked Zach to take a hometown discount, but there were teams out there that were going to give him eight years, and um, if you're going to give somebody eight years, and, and you're looking at asking him to take uh, four and change as opposed to five and change, it's eight million bucks. I mean, yeah. no one's going to leave that kind of money on, on the table. So they, they, they boxed themselves into a position where they had to let a really, really quality asset uh, walk out the door and got absolutely nothing back. And you can't be in that position again with Morgan Riley. Because you just, you're, you're letting too many really quality assets out the door for absolutely nothing. You look at some of the other guys that have walked out the door in, in recent years. They, they came to the point where they had to trade Connor Brown, a guy they would have liked to have kept. But, you know, they didn't really get much back for him. So there's a, a quality asset. You look at uh, you look at all these guys that were big parts of that 16-17 team. The first year they made the playoffs under this sort of new iteration of the group. Uh, Tyler Bozak out the door for nothing. James Van Riemsdyk out the door for nothing. Um, Nazem Kadri they traded him and and essentially got nothing of value back. And I'll make the argument. Sure, the young guys like Matthews and Marner were young, but they also weren't the guys that were taking on the bulk of the responsibility. Uh, that was still on the veterans, but the young guys, man, did they ever deliver. So what you had there was, was I, I think, sort of the type of team 
that you would you would like to try to get to. They they had some length to that lineup. They had three lines that were were fairly legit with the Bozak, JVR, uh, Marner line, and then they had Matthews playing with Nylander, um, you know, and, and Hyman, and then you had Connor Brown with Kadri and whoever it was Leo Komarov. He had a fourth line. There were some different elements to that that forward group. And you look at it and you say, yeah, there's some length there. Now you don't have that anymore. So why is that? Because you box, box yourselves into a position with the four guys that, again, I'm, we're not going to have that uh, conversation again. It's not a debate. It's a conversation because there's only one way to approach it as far as I'm concerned. But they overpaid. They mismanaged those, those three contracts. They've had to let people walk out the door ever since, got nothing of value back, and years down the road, this problem comes back to roost where you find yourself with four really nice pieces, but then nothing to work around them. Um, you know, it's essentially a car with the, uh, the top of the line tires um, on an otherwise uh, rusted chassis that looks like it's ready for the scrapyard. And, you know, you're not going to win any races with that car. And I don't think you're going to win any races with this lineup right now. Well, I, I agree with what you said there uh, wholeheartedly. In fact, I would I would equate it to a, an aging car, and so uh, we fixed the motor. Now the body needs to be repaired. So with that forward unit that you mapped out, you are absolutely 100% correct. And the problem with that team was the right side of the blue line and the Morgan Riley partner. It wasn't top end. That right side of that blue line was totally exploited by the Boston Bruins. So they, they fixed the blue line up, but now they got a problem up front. And next year they're going to have a problem back in the blue line they don't deal with Morgan Riley. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I really do like the car analogy. It's like the pigeon who puts in a ten thousand dollars stereo in a car that's worth a thousand bucks. What's the point? What's, what's the, <laughs> but it's true, right? Like, what, what's the point of upgrading to to that extent in one area where, yeah, you'd love the stereo, you'd love to get the subwoofer out there and cruise down the road with some beats, and that's what you're doing with the top end of the forward group. You'd love to have all four of those guys there, but at what expense? Um, the ultimate goal is to win something, and I just don't see that possible with the rest of the lineup they have around those guys right now, and it's not not their fault. Look, they, they negotiated, and they, and they were offered the contracts that they were offered. I do not fault the guys for signing them. What What do you expect Matthews to do or Marner to do or Nylander to do? Say, no, no, uh, you know what? Now give me a couple of million dollars less. That Thanks for the offer, but that's too much. No, no, they're not going to do that, so I don't fault them, but it comes down to management and the ability to negotiate those contracts and the whole firm and say, look, this is all I can offer you, and the whole firm on that, and they did not do that. So with that being the case, the only way you get out from under that problem is to reallocate some resources. And I know you mentioned Kerfoot, but you know that's like uh, you know it's, it's when it's like when a big company gets into a, a shortfall at, at year end and their bottom line's looking uh, looking pretty tough. So they start nickel and diming with the people making minimum wage. It's like don't worry about them and lay them off. Uh, start where there's some big salaries and you can really make a dent in the uh, in the bottom line. And that's kind of the situation here. Is that yeah, you can work around the edges, Alex Kerfoot, but you're going to need more than just three and a half million bucks worth of cap savings. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sort of end it on this, and I'd like your reaction to it. The bottom line in all this is, regardless of the history lesson, and I don't have any problem with what they've done so far. 
But, but the bottom line is they have absolutely zero success with running to the end on a final year of a contract on a star player. It just does not work for them. Don't know why you'd want to revisit that yet again. I, I don't think they can. And it'll be an interesting lesson to see if this management group has learned um, to see if they navigate it differently. And speaking of Kyle Dubas, um, I get the sense that, that he would like to come to some sort of a conclusion one way or the other on this matter prior to the end of the, the offseason. So as you said, this question mark is not outstanding um, all, all season long. But it goes back to what we talked about at the top. Man, what a tough position to be in for, for Kyle, because I, I'm starting to think he's feeling the pressure as well, and he knows it because this is a number of years into his plan now. And, and if this year goes uh, awry uh, again, uh, he's really going to be feeling the pressure come next offseason. So he's got to make sure not only does he, he worry about um, the future, but he's got to make sure this year goes swimmingly. And it's a tough position to be in because, like I say, man, the other GMs know the position he's in. They're well aware. It's going to be a lot of guys offering to help him out. Dave, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. And that, of course, means there's a time warning on this. So sort of a yes guy, no guy award. The Morgan Riley situation. I mean, here's what you're left with. You're, you have a defenseman, a top-pairing defenseman, entering the final year of his contract. You've got forwards on extended contracts. So forget about the names. Could you not trade a top-pairing defenseman in the final year of his contract and a forward with multiple years left for a top-pairing defenseman with multiple years left and a forward with one year left? There are enough people involved here to make this work, or you just go out and sign your top-pairing defenseman and worry about how you're going to fit him in next year when next year happens and, and get ahead of the curve on the escalating defenseman market. So that is a yes guy. Get ahead of the curve. We end on that. Hope you enjoyed Leafs Guy episode 51. Hope you come back next week for Leafs Guy episode 52.